Bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratty. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, July 15th, 2014. I'll begin this week by updating listeners on the progress of a bonus depreciation bill making its way through the House of Representatives. I'll also share details of an upcoming Community Reinvestment Act webinar and provide a quick update on the new leadership at the Office of Management and Budget and the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. In our new markets tax credit section, I'll discuss the Community Development Financial Institution Fund's annual performance report, as well as the latest Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report. Turning to our low-income tax credit section, I have more information about the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development's revision of the 2014 extremely low-income limits, as well as the latest information about California's Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities Program. I also alert listeners to a new Affordable Housing Preservation Policy resource that was launched earlier this year. In our Renewable Energy Tax Credit segment, I share a recent blog post that I wrote in response to a report from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. In our Historic Tax Credit segment, I discuss a new report from the National Trust for Historic Preservation on the impact of federal historic tax credits on communities. I also share some good news about Pennsylvania State Historic Tax Credit. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I'd like to begin with an update on a bill that I discussed last week. It's the bonus depreciation bill being considered by Congress. As I mentioned last week, the bill would allow businesses to deduct 50% of certain capital purchases or investments in a year that they're made, or the property, I should say, is placed in service. This accelerated deduction helps increase tax credit equity pricing for low-income housing and solar tax credit investments. As an example, for low-income housing tax credit investments, it could mean one to two cents more per dollar of equity per tax credit. On July 11th, the House voted on the bill after a little more than an hour of debate. During that debate, Representative Richard Neal, Democrat from Massachusetts, requested that the bill be sent back to the Ways and Means Committee. He wanted the committee to consider extending bonus depreciation for two years rather than making it permanent. His motion failed, and the House went on to pass the bill, which is H.R. 4718, with a vote of 258 to 160. The bill now goes to the Senate for consideration. In other news from the Capitol, I'd like to tell you about a Community Reinvestment Act, or CRA, webinar that will be held this Thursday. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency will host this live interagency webinar. It will address revisions to the document that's known as or is labeled Interagency Questions and Answers Regarding Community Reinvestment as well as it's going to address revisions to the document Large Institutions Community Reinvestment Act Examination Procedures. 
Now, the webinar will cover new Q&As, including those Q&As that clarify how the agencies consider community development activities that benefit a broader statewide or regional area that includes an institution's assessment area. Also, Q&As that provide guidance related to CRA consideration of and documentation associated with investments in nationwide funds, and also Q&As that address the treatment of loans or investments to organizations that in turn invest those and use only a portion of the income for their investments to support a community development purpose, as well as clarify that community development lending performance is always considered in a large financial institution's lending test rating. Now, there will be time for the agencies to answer participants' questions, and Peter Lawrence from Novogratic will be uh, listening in on the seminar, so he'll be available for any additional questions our clients might have after the session. Now, questions for this webinar can be submitted in advance or during the webinar. If you want to register for the webinar online, I give it to you now. However, the registration URL is a little bit complicated, but we have embedded a link to the registration page at the Affordable Housing Resource Center. You can find it in our announcement of the session at www.taxcredithousing.com. Now, this webinar will take place this Thursday, July 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And I note, though, that participants must register before Thursday. In closing, our general news section here, I want to bring you the latest news about Sean Donovan and Julian Castro. As you probably have heard, last week the Senate confirmed Castro as Secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, and confirmed Sean Donovan as Director of the Office of Management and Budget. Now, I've talked quite a bit about both Castro and Donovan in previous podcasts, so if you'd like to learn more about them, please visit www.novaco.com slash podcasts. You can find segments about them in the July 1, June 24th, and May 27th Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. On that page, you can also access archived editions of the podcast going all the way back to 2007. And if you have additional questions about the impact of these changes, feel free to contact Peter Lawrence in our Washington, D.C. office. In New Markets Tax Credit News, the CDFI Fund released its fiscal year 2013 performance report this month. This annual report spotlights achievements of the CDFI Fund's programs, including the New Markets Tax Credit. The report found that the CDFI Fund made 749 New Market Tax Credit awards during its first 10 rounds. These total $36.5 billion in tax credit allocation authority. From the program's inception through 2013, New Markets Tax Credits have helped finance more than 4,700 businesses and more than 11,700 affordable housing units. Furthermore, investments have created nearly 208,000 jobs in low-income communities. Now, these are the kinds of achievements New Markets Tax Credit advocates can highlight when asking Congress to reauthorize the program. This report is titled, Investing for the Future, One Community at a Time. And you can find a copy of it at www.newmarketscredits.com. In other New Markets Tax Credit news, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund released its latest Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report on July 2nd. Among the other things, this monthly report identifies the total dollar amount finalized by New Market Tax Credit allocatees, as well as the amount remaining to be issued. About $128.4 million 
of Qualified Equity Investments, or QEIs, were finalized in June, according to the report. This was the largest amount since December of 2013, when $2.7 billion were finalized. This is, was in anticipation of the deadline for prior allocatees to have finalized a certain minimum number of investments in order to be eligible for the awards in this last cycle. Now, as of July 2nd, the amount still available in New Market Tax Allocation Authority is up to $4.5 billion. It's $4.5 billion because it includes the $3.5 billion that was awarded last month for Round 11 awards. Now, if you need help finding an allocation or closing a transaction, please contact my partner, Brad Elphick, in our Atlanta, Georgia office. He can be reached at 678-867-2333. In low-income housing tax credit news, I'd like to follow up on a couple of topics from last week. First, I'd like to discuss the extremely low-income limits. Almost every area in the country saw a change in the limits for at least one family size. Only 13 areas remained the same. More than 99% of counties in the continental U.S., Alaska, and Hawaii had an increase in their extremely low-income limits. The biggest change at the four-person level was Mitchell County, Georgia, that amount increased by almost $10,000. The average change, though, for a four-person household was a little more than $5,000. And this affected households in nearly 4,000 areas. Now, the changes will not affect most local housing tax credit properties directly, but they will affect other U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development housing programs. They could also affect properties in states that use these extremely low-income limits for their 30% low-income housing tax credit calculations. As I mentioned last week, Novogratic is working on updating our rent and income limit calculator to reflect these changes. I'll send out a tweet when the update is finished, and I'll also share that information in a future podcast. Another low-income housing tax credit news, I do have more information about California's funding for affordable housing. As I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, California lawmakers approved $130 million in cap-and-trade revenue for the first year of the Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities Program. And at least 20% of all cap-and-trade revenues will fund the program after that. Half of those funds will go directly to affordable housing. Last week, the California Strategic Growth Council held a public meeting to talk about how program guidelines will be developed. Council staff recommended awarding the funds as loans and grants through a competitive process. The council then set an aggressive time frame for finalizing guidelines and announcing awards. Here's what they're proposed to do. First, host three public workshops on developing guidelines, this starting in mid-August. Next, present draft guidelines to the council in early October. Then, host three public workshops on the draft later that month and present final guidelines to the council for approval in December. And then release funding solicitations in January. If all of this goes according to plan, the deadline for submitting funding applications would be around March or April of 2015, and awards would be announced by May or June of 2015. Now, this program will be administered by the Strategic Growth Council, and the council will partner with several agencies, including the Department of Housing and Community Development, or HCD. Now, one of the main points at the meeting was to underline that the council is, a, is the central authority that will oversee the program. 
It will also have final say over guidelines and which projects will be funded. The partner agencies will take care of the day-to-day implementation, such as managing contracts with awardees, monitoring operations, as well as reporting projects' progress to the Council. Now, you can find more information and a copy of the Council's report at www.sgc.ca.gov. I'll keep you updated as information becomes available. And if you have questions in the meantime, please contact my partner, Jim Kroger, in our San Francisco office at 415-356-8000. Before I move on, I'd like to alert you to a new affordable housing preservation resource. It's called PrezCat, P-R-E-Z-C-A-T, and it is an online searchable catalog of state and local affordable housing preservation policies. PrezCat allows developers, housing finance agencies, housing advocates, state and local decision makers, and others to search policies and programs that are relevant to their needs. The catalog contains original documents from state and local agencies as well as detailed policy analysis from the National Housing Trust. Next Wednesday, on July 23rd, Novogratz and Company, in conjunction with the National Housing Trust, will host a webinar on the new site. The webinar will provide a guided tour of PrezCat. It will also feature step-by-step instructions about how to get the most out of this great new resource. Now, the webinar is free, and you can register online at www.novoco.com events. And once again, it's PrezCat, P-R-E-Z-C-A-T. In Renewable Energy Tax Credit News, I'd like to alert you to one of my recent blog posts. It concerns a recent report about renewable energy incentives that was produced by the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. It's called An Analysis of the Costs, Benefits, and Implications of Different Approaches to Capturing the Value of Renewable Energy Tax Incentives. The report says that sponsors of solar and wind projects are often better off using investment and production tax credits themselves rather than seeking investors for the credits. Well, I would argue, and I do so in my blog post, that that's rarely the case. So I'd encourage you to visit my blog at novogradic.wordpress.com, and you can read my argument that the paper's assumption that tax credit equity replaces long-term debt in renewable energy projects isn't accurate. I'm eager to hear your thoughts on the subject, so please share your comments on the website or email me at cpas at novoco.com. In historic tax credit news, I'd like to tell you about a report from the National Trust for Historic Preservation. The National Trust recently released a report entitled The Federal Historic Tax Credit, Transforming Communities. The report examines how the historic tax credit program has created private capital and jobs, rehabilitated historic structures, and revitalized communities across the country. To demonstrate the effects of the program, the report examines six cities in three states, Macon and Atlanta in Georgia, Baltimore and Silver Springs in Maryland, and Ogden and Salt Lake City in Utah. While the cities in the project analyzed by the National Trust vary widely, the report did find that the historic tax credit had positive effects on all the cities. Namely, that when the private sector rehabilitates a building using the historic tax credit, positive benefits ripple throughout the surrounding community. I want to highlight some information from three of the previously mentioned areas to demonstrate the effect of the Federal Historic Tax Credit Program. The areas are Salt Lake City, Macon, Georgia, and Montgomery County, Maryland. Starting with Salt Lake City, 
Since the completion of two key rehabilitation projects in Salt Lake City's depot district, the market value of properties in the area has increased 22.5%. This at a time when citywide property values declined by more than 17%, according to the report. Now, turning to Macon, Georgia, in the two years prior to the renovated warehouse lofts opening its doors, there were two new business licenses issued in its neighboring Macon, Georgia area. In the three years since it's opened, 57 businesses have have received licenses in that same Macon, Georgia neighborhood. Finally, turning to Montgomery County, Maryland, the rehabilitation of 23 historic buildings that were in government hands now provides nearly $60 million in property tax base for Montgomery, Montgomery County, Maryland. On a national scale, this report found that every $1 of historic tax credit leverages a minimum of $4 of private investment. And for every $1 in historic property investment, roughly 16 jobs are created and $2.1 million in economic activity is catalyzed. To read a copy of the report, go to www.historictaxcredits.com and also Check out the August issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits to learn more about the report. In closing, if you have any further questions, I encourage you to contact my partner, Owen Gray, in our San Francisco office. Owen can be reached at 415-356-8000. To wrap up today, I'd like to give you a quick update on the status of Pennsylvania's historic tax credit program. Last week, I mentioned that the State House had passed a fiscal year 2014-2015 budget bill that called for suspending the program for two years. Well, the Senate rejected that budget proposal early last week. And on Thursday, the governor signed a budget bill that did not cut the program. That means the program will be funded again next year. So that's one state tax credit program that's safe for now. Next week, I'll bring you an update on another state historic tax credit program that was facing challenges. North Carolina's historic tax credit program, which you may recall, is set to sunset at the end of this year. More on that next week. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.